Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, my name is Tina Wilson. I am a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. And alongside my husband, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter, a Bible teacher, an author, and an advocate for all-in family ministry. And I am absolutely passionate about making Christ and His church famous. I want to welcome you to Step Into Scripture with Tina. So this is a podcast designed to point people toward King Jesus, and we are starting out doing that in Season 1 by just establishing a firm foundation on the Word of God through challenging you to commit yourself to reading the entire text, the whole Word of God. And we are helping develop this, this need and this truth for you that this is something you need to be doing by looking at objections. As I've shared before, Stacy and I have a group that we polled and we said to women, what is the number one objection that you have heard or maybe that you've even used as to why you don't need to read the whole Bible all the way through? And so in this season, read the whole Bible, why or why not? We're answering these objections. So I want to introduce you to my friend Stacy. Again, she's been with us for the last two episodes. Stacy is helping me answer these objections. And today's objection, Stacy, you have really unique insight into because we are going to be talking about the objection. I prefer topical studies or just some other method over reading the whole text, the whole Bible start to finish. And I say you have unique insight into this, Stacy, because you've actually led us, me included, through plenty of topical studies. Mm -hmm. And so would you just introduce yourself again for anyone who's tuning in for the first time and give us a little background on your experience with different kinds of Bible study? Absolutely. So thank you again for having me in this series, Stepping Through Scripture, answering these objections to why or why not we should not uh, or we should read the Bible in its entirety. Um, my name is Stacy Vines. I am a mom of four, a Bible teacher, church planter. I am passionate about the Word of God and sharing the goodness that I find about God with those around me. And with my husband, we are business owners and founders of nonprofits here in our local community. Um, and as Tina said, we have been stepping through Scripture for years together now and uh, reading the Bible in its entirety, but also doing topical studies. And this is uh, for many people. And what I know to be true, especially for women, a preferred method. Yeah. And the objection on its face doesn't seem very harmful. Right. Right. I prefer a topical um, study over reading the Bible from start to finish, or I prefer some other method, book yeah. by book, verse by verse, period to period. And the objection on its face, I do not believe is harmful at all. Yeah. But the the harmful piece of it is that it's our preference. Yeah. That's what I think the true objection is, that we have a preference on how we are going to uh, read the Bible versus just reading it in its entirety and letting that be our method to yeah. which we unfold it. Um, so again, uh, the challenge, the objection is not that it's topical studies, you know, on the surface, that's not really um, an illogical way to approach the many, many pages that you find in the Bible. And I think um, maybe what lends to that is in that preference of any other version, but specifically topical studies that I have personally experienced, and I think others have experienced is you get a, a sense of accomplishment much faster. Yeah, that's true. You get an answer to maybe a very specific um, need in your life or season in your life. And then you also um, have 
a little bit more of an in with other people to invite them along sure. to a topical study instead of what may feel like what we've already addressed in episode one of what seems like an impossible feat to read the entire thing. Um, yes, if you're looking for someone to come along with you, you're probably going to get a lot more yeses to do this limited time Beth Moore study with me. Absolutely. Then you want to read the whole Bible? Absolutely. Because there's an indefinite time commitment to that, which we addressed uh, last week yeah. in that objection of I just don't have time. Um, but again, it's the preference that I think is the slippery slope with this objection, um, not necessarily that it's topical. Uh, leaning on topical study, I believe, can have some negative effects, right? But this is someone who's led several topical studies, and I've loved it, learned yeah. so much, um, engaged it with God and others in fellowship around these studies. But I do think it runs the risk of causing us to, on accident, question the authority of Scripture. Yeah. And I'll maybe explain that. Someone listening may say, what? You know, I don't think it's wrong to walk through Lifeway or scroll Amazon and pick up a topical study, right? Yeah. I don't want to um, present that as my, my thought, but I do think that when we identify, I have something I need an answer to, mm -hmm. so I am going to decide what is going to answer that. And it, then we, on accident, might posture ourselves to be questioning its authority. And then we may even walk around with blinders on that say, I'm only concerned about this particular topic right yeah, now. That's such a good point. When we engage in the entire Bible, we will find answers to that topic, yeah. but they're going to be sown in the whole truth of God um, instead of just a narrow space. But what I think it has lent to on accident, and I'll take some responsibility as a Bible teacher, I have certainly done plenty of topical studies and led women through topical studies while reading the Bible from start to finish along the way. Well, that's what I love about the topical studies that you have led is that they have always grown out of mm -hmm. reading the entire Bible. Yeah, the very first time we did an entire Bible read-through, we, every week when we came together, there would I would pull a topic from that week's reading, and uh -huh. we would topically study that piece of it. Okay. I did it. What? I have to tell you. Is it a confession? Another negative. Uh-oh. About a topical study. I'm going to tell you about <laughs> when I got myself in trouble one time with your topical study. Uh-oh. You ready? So, <laughs> so Stacy came to our women's group during a, during a full Bible read through to lead us in a topical study <laughs> about salt. Do you remember that one? I do. Do you know what I'm going to say? No. Okay. I wish I did. <laughs> so you guys are hearing this with me for the first time okay. too. So to really help this thing stick for us <laughs> and give us a hands-on piece, she brought everyone in the group a little baggie of salt. Oh, what a good little Bible teacher. Such a good Bible teacher. <laughs> and I just thought her study was so great and I wanted to share it. So I took a picture of this mm -hmm. little bag of white powder in my hand. Oh, no. And posted it on social media and said something about the great time that I had tonight in our women's group. <laughs> and I'll just let you guess what kind of responses I got to that. A lot of unsafe people were ready to start coming to Bible study oh my when they gracious. saw the little bag of white powder all to all people, right, that Tina? you had handed out to all of us. Oh my thanks goodness. For that. that was a good study. <laughs> That's not the intention, but you see the slippery slope that you can start walking when you get into a topical study. Um, but I, <laughs> I do think that 
on accident. There can be repercussions when we focus solely on what we are eager to to learn. But again, every Bible is equipped with uh, a top. You know, in the back of every print Bible, there's um. You know, you can summer, you can skim through and find topics with accompanying scripture so that you can tackle those like anxiety and depression and yeah. marriage and things like that. And and I think that that's great because we certainly do walk seasons in our life where we need answers to that. Yeah. But I think it has two repercussions. Number one, uh, the immediate repercussion is I think it removes discipleship mm-hmm. because instead of me engaging God's entire word and walking alongside a trusted friend in that who I can share my struggles of anxiety, depression, my issues in my marriage or the victories in my life with, I am, I've got my blinders on and I just need a quick answer. Mm -hmm. And I think the second repercussion um, may actually be the first that causes that to happen. We go to King Google and that becomes our topical study. Yes. What does the Bible say about insert your topic. And there's such a huge danger of scriptures being taken out of context to be about something that they're not really even about when we're trusting Google as our source for biblical context. Right. And so instead of we we kind of morph when we do that a topical study into a couple verse study. Right. Because we say what does the Bible say about marriage or because it's 2023 what does the Bible say about homosexuality? What does the Bible say about whatever I'm facing or I need a rebuttal for on social media. Oh, yeah. So, or we'll find memes that go along with it and we'll take it right. as the authority. And again, it's just the preference. Um, it's not necessarily, I mean, yes, you should ask the Bible for your answer. Yes. But if it is your preference to only find pieces instead of the whole pattern of God, right? then I think that is where our slippery... Um, slope begins. And so again, I think it is the preference in general. I think that the tool, which I know we're not talking about what we think, um, the tool that you have created, Step Into Scripture, weaves together all of the themes of God, all of the movements of the Word of God. And so no matter what day I am reading in my reading plan, right, because that's what we're advocating for, we're calling you out to read the Bible from start to finish every single day, a committed, prepared, planned time and yeah. plan um, to to read the entire thing from start to finish and then to start over and do it again. When you use something like this, Tina's book, Step Into Scripture, not only are you going to find answers, you're going to find Jesus as the answer and you'll find it woven all through the, yeah. the, 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 the book and the way that you point forward and backward throughout the tool, uh, you know, just for marriage. I had uh, looked through your book that you sent. Uh, I got to see a a before copy before it's released. I'm so excited uh, for the spring of this year. But even even in the topic of marriage, right, because my context is women, um, and I know that this is a platform for all believers, but among women, this is a heavy-hitting topic. Yes, Women want to know how to be a biblical wife and and, and walk out biblical womanhood, and it's not if you look up marriage in scripture, you may not find as many specific verses as you want. True, true. But when you when you look at the entire thing, yeah. you see nothing but marriage when you understand what you're reading and how it points to different things. And you do that so well 
in uh, step into scripture that that book that walks you through and points you forward and backward how scripture is woven all together um and so we we only get half of the answer when we engage only in a topical study or we allow our preference to um sort of hold us back from the entire answer you know nowadays everything we want holistic medicine we want uh, total transparency yeah. in our leadership well a holistic answer to life is the whole bible yes and our preference should be that absolutely that's a great way a great way to sum that up well god i love it i love it well we in this podcast want every time we take on an objection to actually take you to a specific example in scripture. Yeah. These are examples that you can learn more about when my book comes out. Tentative release date is May the 19th. And um, these examples are developed further there. But to answer this objection of preferring just a different method of study, perhaps a topical study over a whole text Bible reading plan, I want to go with you to the Bible mm -hmm. and I want to look at the book of Job for an answer to that objection. So while we're going to just focus on the book of Job here for a few minutes, I promise this is going to tie to the whole Bible. It's not a topical example. It's not a topical example. <laughs> we're just going to start there. So so track with me here. But um, let's talk about the book of Job. This is a difficult book. Uh, the first two chapters of it aren't so bad, though. It opens in chapters one and two with just prose, mm -hmm. with a narrative that tells a story. And, and here the book of Job tells this story about this drama that plays out in the spiritual realm where Satan, who is named as our accuser in the book of Revelation, actually comes before God to hurl an accusation against mm -hmm. God's servant, Job. And um, he can't accuse Job of being sinful because God in the book has already said that Job is blameless and he's upright and God doesn't lie, so that's not a valid um, accusation that Satan can bring. So instead, Satan accuses Job of not living for God with pure intentions. Mm -hmm. He says that Job is only devoted to you. He only loves you because you bless him. And so that accusation that Satan brings against Job sets the stage for just a ton of trouble that befalls Job. He has um, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, 3,000 camels. He's very rich. All of that livestock is stolen. Mm -hmm. Then his many, many servants and his 7,000 sheep all killed. And even his 10 children are crushed to death. So all of this trouble just comes on Job all at once. And even then, even when he has faced calamity after calamity, back to back, things that... Um, that are probably worse than, than what right. anyone listening or watching here has actually experienced, Job still worships God because he realizes that all of his wealth and all of his abundance hasn't been earned. It's not anything he deserved. It's all been a blessing mm -hmm. of God. And so he praises God through the loss. So that's kind of the opening uh, prose that we find in the book. That's just chapters one and two. Then the book shifts in chapter three to poetry that is is expressed through dialogue. And this is uh, a dialogue that continues all the way through chapter 42, verse 7 of Job. So this becomes the difficult part of Job, the part right. that's often neglected. So I'll say, if you're doing just a topical study, you might neglect a whole lot of the middle of Job. 
Well, yeah, and and you're going to be directed to Job if you're going through loss or grief or you feel blameless or you're under retribution, you know, or or anything like that. You're going to find Job. And if you get to the chunk of it, you may say, well, this is really has nothing to do with me. Right, right. So the Bible's not applicable to me. Right. Right. So in in these, these chapter after chapter after chapter of dialogue, you have three cycles, three cycles of speeches that go on between Job. And then he has three companions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not really friends, I don't think. I think they come to Job and he expects them to come to him as friends, but he ends up calling them miserable comforters. Their names are Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar. And so there are three cycles of dialogue that go on between Job and these guys. Mm -hmm. And then in chapter 34, a new guy enters the scene. His name is Elihu. And now he enters the dialogue. And then the dialogue concludes with God finally speaking directly. And I'll just give you a hint here. One of the things that makes this center section of Job, this bulk of Job that's dialogue, very difficult to read and to understand is that there's an argument going on between Job and his friends. And it's difficult to discern who yes. is saying truth. Because in what at the root of what they're talking about is righteousness having a result on our circumstance yes. or the lack of righteousness. Yes. So absolutely, if, if, if you fail to read the whole thing, you could create yourself a whole new doctrine. A whole new theology. Mm-hmm. The reason you need to read the whole thing is because when God finally speaks right. at the end, right you do see who he corrects, mm-hmm. who he says to, you spoke falsely, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get that if you're just stopping short of reading the entire thing. So after God's speech, then Job repents, and then the book moves to an epilogue, um, back back to prose, away from the poetry, and it's not until that very short closing section of the book that we see something amazing happen. And it is the completion of a framework that has been being built all the way through this book for these 42 chapters. And and that flow of thought would be lost with a topical study. It's like stopping mid-sentence. Yes, yes. But instead, what we find is, is this pattern that the book of Job has been building all the way through, Mm -hmm. but you would not see it if you didn't read it to the very end. But when you get to the very end, what you recognize is a pattern that's called reverse symmetry. Mm-hmm. So so in the prose beginning, as you move through that opening narration and then moving into the poetic dialogue of Job and Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, you see a progression mm-hmm. that's actually building to a climax. Again, this would be very hard to recognize if you didn't read the whole book. And then the climax comes in chapter 28. And I have my Bible open to that. And here's what the heading says in my Bible, interlude, where wisdom is found. Mm -hmm. And this, when you come to it, when you're first reading the book of Job, this chapter seems kind of misplaced. Mm -hmm. There's been an argument going on. And now all of a sudden, we're just going to go into an interlude that is is just this poetry expressing that God is the source of wisdom. And then immediately after that, Job goes right back to defending himself. Now we're back into the argument. So that chapter is odd until you read the rest of the book and you realize that it's sandwiched between parallel discourses, parallel dialogues 
between Job and his friends. And as you move out from that center section, if you look at chapter 28, that wisdom chapter is the center section. Moving out from that, what you find is parallel dialogues coming out from the center. And then at the very end of that, when you get back to the prose at the end, that parallels the prose at the beginning to complete that chiastic framework. This is called chiastic structure or reverse parallelism. What you find back at the prose ending is parallels that make the structure much more obvious. So parallels like this. In the beginning of the book of Job, Job is stripped of his fortune. Right. In the end of the book of Job, his fortune is not only restored, but it's multiplied. Right. In the beginning of the book of Job, uh, Job loses his 10 children. In the end of the book of Job, God gives him 10 more children. Mm -hmm. Very obvious. In the beginning of the book of Job, Job offers sacrifices for his children just in case they sinned because he was a righteous man. In the end of the book of Job, he's called to offer sacrifices for his friends who have spoken wrongly and need to repent before God. And again, that's where you kind of get some insight into who was right and who was wrong in this whole dialogue. And in the beginning of the book of Job, maybe this is the most powerful parallel, God vindicates Job. The accuser says he doesn't really love you, and God said, yes, he does. And here's the parallel. In the end of the book of Job, Job vindicates God. Right. Job says, no, I'm going to keep on worshiping God no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way. So what's the point of all that? This reverse parallelism or chiastic structure mm-hmm. is, is helpful because what it does is points us to a climactic center. And that climactic center tells us what the, what's the point? What's the point? Right. right. What is the passage even about? Because I grew up my whole life hearing, well, what's Job about? Yeah. Suffering. Yes. Job is about suffering. The righteous will suffer. Yeah. Why do yeah. we suffer? When in fact, the very framework of Job tells us that what Job is actually about is that God is the source of all wisdom. That's, yes. And when you find that, And then you more carefully consider the dialogue that's going on. I mean, God is asking Job questions like, who are you to question Mm -hmm. me? Where were you you? when I created the earth? Where were you when I hung the stars? God is saying, you can't fathom who I am and what I've done. Who are you or who is Eliphaz or Bildad or Zophar to question how I run the world Mm -hmm. or to try to box me in to your if-then statements as if you can control me? God, right? And we see that clearly because of this centerpiece of the book of Job, chapter 28. Where is wisdom found? Wisdom is found in God alone. He is the source. Yeah. Now, all that to say that we would not recognize that structure if we didn't read the entire book of Job and get to the very end where we see the very obvious parallels, and then we can go, oh, now I see it. That's why chapter 28 was stuck in there, and it just seemed out of place. And I think that we underestimate the theatrics of Scripture. Oh, man. Everyone, and this is, this is way off from biblical authority, but it's worthwhile for an analogy. Everyone loves a good movie where in the beginning, you just don't quite get why they did that. Yeah. Or, but it was very clear that the movie put that there yeah. for you to question it. And at the very end, it's like, oh, that's why that happened. Full circle. 
That's exactly what scripture does. And I think that we underestimate that it, it but it's on a whole nother level because it makes yeah. your entire body respond because you were created to understand that. Yes. Yes. That's such a good point. Now, that's just the book of Job, right? right? And and this is an episode <laughs> about why we believe that reading the whole text is the best method of Bible study, not the only method. Doesn't mean you can't do sure. topical studies or single book studies in addition to that, but that it's a, that reading the whole Bible is a method that shouldn't be neglected. But we just talked about the book of Job. But here's why. Here's mm-hmm. the point we want to get to is the entire Bible is built on a chiastic framework. Right. The Bible begins in a garden and it ends in a garden, from garden to garden, from kingdom to kingdom. I would love to point you toward a great resource. Renew.org has a book in their Renew Theology series that's called The Meta Narrative. Does a great job mm-hmm. of um, overviewing this structure in the Bible. And here's the point. Just like in Job, chapter 28 is that centerpiece. It's the main point. That's right. what this is all about, is that God is the source of all wisdom. In the in the chiastic structure of the entire Bible, the main point is Jesus Christ. Right. He is the center He's the climax. of the whole thing, the absolute climax. And if you want to know Jesus, you need to read the whole thing, mm-hmm. and you will find Everything pointing toward him, leading up to him, everything pointing toward him that follows him in scripture. And um, and I guess I'm making a, a shape here, but that is, if we were to diagram mm-hmm. a chiastic structure, this reverse like parallelism, yeah, it would look like one side of an X where there are these inter- locking statements, these corresponding statements. An answer, right. an answer from the old you know, answered in the new or a shadowed from the new that reflects the old yes. where they're 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 symmetrical and they are equaled and they're perfect. All all meeting in the center at that climactic point. In Job it's about wisdom. In the entire Bible it's about Jesus. And so that mm-hmm. is just one of the most powerful structures of scripture that you will unfortunately just miss. Yeah. If you are only looking up a topic. Right. If you only want to know what the Bible says about a specific small framed topic or event or question or that rebuttal that is needed because I'm in a hostile conversation and I need a really wise answer, that framework, that very small space does not give God the right floor that he deserves to really showcase what he is saying. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter the topic. And what you do really well in your book is you answer that, you you display the chiastic structure or the answers from the, the old to the new or the new back to the old on every day of every prescribed day of reading. And so it doesn't matter if the topic is, like we said earlier, whether it's marriage or it's uh, relationships or whatever that topic in your life may be that you're trying to find an answer to or a direction to walk it out, everything is always still going to be sourced in Jesus and he will answer it, but it's not going to look like, for example, depression. It's not going to look like depression is A, B, C, D. Right. It's going to look like I hold your future. You don't have to worry about it. I take care of the sparrows. Will I not take care of you? Yes. But 
if you just Google search depression, what does the Bible say about depression? You will find small pieces scattered that you aren't really going to have a whole answer to. Right. Um, and so really, to, back to the objection, I would challenge you to evaluate what your preference is. Topical studies are not on the surface inherently wrong. Yeah. But if it is the preference, I would evaluate what your preference is and challenge you to challenge your preference of the entire Bible instead. Yeah, absolutely. So my book, Step Into Scripture, tentatively set for release on May the 19th. Something that I repeat often there is that a key to biblical literacy is that we need to be reading scripture through a God-centered lens, sure. not a me-centered lens. Perfect. That's just a different way of saying exactly what Stacy's saying, that it's not about our preferences. Right. It's about seeking God. And a key component in that is recognizing the centrality of Christ. So mm -hmm. when, when you're able to get that book in your hands, you'll see there are some key questions that I'm challenging you to ask yourself every day as you read scripture. Right now, we're just challenging you to read the whole sure. Bible, right? Um, but once you get this book, I'll help guide you through this. And one of those key questions is, every single day that I'm reading, from Genesis to Revelation, where do I see Jesus in the text? And as you look for him every day in the text, that evidence of this chiastic framework with Christ as the center and the climax will come much more clearly into view. Yeah. And and some listening or even watching are probably thinking, whoa, that is too big. That feels monotonous. But we're going to answer that in our next episode as Absolutely. an objection because we're saying words like chiastic structure and reverse parallelism. And that might sound like, okay, that has left my sphere. But one thing that I have repeated for years, and I know that you have too, is this is not too big for you. It is not too difficult for you. It was literally made for you. Amen. You can do this. It is not above you, and it's not out of your reach. And so in our next episode, we're going to unpack that objection. That's, like, that's right. just too big for me. That's right. So we look forward to seeing you again there. And until then, again, we're challenging you. Make the commitment, open your Bible and start reading, set a time frame, set a time of day, create some intention around it. You've got this. You can do it. And we're excited to help walk you through it.